You're a dude, all right, buddy. You are a dude with his honey, okay? Do with it. Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to our special Valentine's Day service. Man, I'm excited about today, looking forward today, and, and I really believe some of the stuff that we're going to be sharing this morning and next week could radically transform your life, could make a huge difference in your relationships if you're married or if you're single, regardless to your status. We all need to learn how to get to yes. We all need to learn how to communicate better. We need to learn how to speak the language of communication, how to listen better. You see, at the core of almost any problem we have in life goes back to communication. Usually communication is breaking down in the process. And so we need to learn how to speak better and we need to learn how to listen. To listen in a way that honors God and esteem others. And that's what we're going to be trying to do this morning. So I'm looking forward to today, and I hope you are as well. So what I'm trying to say is that this message is for you. It's not for the person sitting next to you. It's for you. I want to encourage you to grab your message outline and to take some notes. Not for the person sitting next to you, but for you. All right? And, uh, and not to fix them, but to fix me. And to work on ourselves this morning as we start this new series called Getting to Yes. Now, as we begin, how many of you this morning are, are single? All those are single, raise your hand up. Come on, single, raise those hands up. Be proud if you're single. Some of the married people kind of probably wish they were, okay? Um, and how many of you are married or are in a very serious relationship? Can I see your hands? All right, vast majority, raise them up, keep them up there, okay. Now, here's a question for everybody, married and single. How many of you would say or would agree that being in a relationship can be very frustrating? Can I see your hands? Don't look at the person next to you while you're answering that question over there, Jackie, okay. It's, it's, some of you just got both hands up. It's very frustrating, very frustrating. Someone once said um, that in the first year of marriage, the man speaks... And the woman listens. In the second year of marriage, the woman speaks and the man listens. In the third year of marriage, the man and the woman speak and the neighbors listen. <laughs> How many of you are kind of stuck in that third year? You know, nobody is listening. Nobody's listening. You can't seem to get to yes. You can't seem to agree upon anything but each other's funeral. Well, we're glad you're here this morning, all right? Now, Jesus said this incredible statement in Mark chapter 9, verse 5. He said, be at peace with each other. Can you say that with me? Be at peace with each other. That's his desire. That's his heart for us to be at peace with one another, to get to yes, to agree, to have love and joy and harmony and to have some peace in our relationships, peace in our homes. Now, over the years, without a doubt, the number one complaint that wives have shared with me in coming to see me in my early years, I used to spend a lot of time doing counseling. I don't do that uh, today. Um, but without a doubt, the number one complaint that women would share about their husband or about their marriage, they would say, Dr. Ray, why won't my husband talk to me? And next week, we're going to talk about the number one response that men give. Why won't my wife shut up? Okay. Um, and that's kind of what goes on here. Um, this whole thing of communication. One lady said that she had such a problem of communication that she was gone for two months before her husband realized that she'd left her. Another lady in our church told me that one time, the only time that her husband talks is when he wants food, sex, or the remote control. And she said, usually he doesn't even talk. He just grunts, you know, uh, you ready for dinner? Uh, 
You know, he just grunts all the time. Now, Dr. Ed Wheat, Christian physician, also a sex therapist, he said this, the complaint I hear most frequently is from the wife who desires to share her innermost thoughts while the husband feels uncomfortable doing so, usually because he has never found it easy to express his feelings. Wow. So that raises the question, why don't men talk? Why don't men talk more? Why don't men talk more about their feelings? The answer is because he's a man. <laughs> That's why. He, he, he's a man, and I don't mean to be overly simplistic, but, but it's true. Men don't seem to have this great uh, need for conversation with their wife like the wife has this great need for conversation with her husband. Now, I'm speaking in generalities. You might be an exception to some of these principles and, and what we've learned over the years in communication. Uh, you know, Jan and I, we're an exception. My wife, she just grunts. Oh, you know, she, she, just, she just grunts. Um, and, uh, and you might be an exception too. Uh, now, the truth is, if we're honest, ladies enjoy conversation for its own sake. You enjoy talking on the phone. You enjoy talking with your friends. You enjoy sharing and expressing your feelings. Now, when we get men get together with other men, we don't talk. We just grunt. Uh, you know, we, we, just, we just grunt, you know. Have you ever seen guys watching the Super Bowl? You know, they, they don't talk. It's, um, yeah, ah. Uh, I mean, they just make noises, you know. And guys rarely talk about ourselves to other guys. We don't typically call each other up on the phone. I don't call Chris up, you know, just to chit-chat. How's your day, Chris? You know, um, you know, we're, we're men. We're, we're different. Now, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not in any way trying to stereotype men and women in some negative way. I am trying to help us to better understand each other. And when you understand each other, you appreciate each other. And when you begin to appreciate each other, you begin to affirm your differences and you love each other and you value each other more. So I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be honest, realistic with what we know about men and women. I love this verse. I think it's the best verse in the Bible for us men's, us men's, us men. To uh, be better husbands. Let's read it together. Can we read it all together, guys? 1 Peter 3 7 says this. Let's read it all. Guys, guys only. You must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife. Pray for them, ladies. Just really just pray for them. They can't even read together, you know. They, you know no wonder why they can't talk. I mean, they can't even read. Um, but I love this verse, you know, and you need to pray for me too. This is one of these messages you don't win. Either way, I'm losing. Going to get the mad guys mad at me. Going to get the wise, whatever. It's, it's part of my job. Okay. But I love this verse. What's it say, guys? And gals says, you husband must do what? Give honor. The word honor here means to esteem. Our job is to esteem, is to raise and value our wife, to raise her up, to honor her, to respect her, to affirm her, to esteem her. Now, how do we do that? How do we raise her up? How do we honor our wife? Well, Peter tells us how. He says, treat your wife with, what's the word, guys? Come on, guys. Treat your wife with what? Honor. 
understanding. Pretend it's a Super Bowl. Go on a little. Come on. Understanding. And as you live with your wife, you need to be understanding. It's my job description as a husband. I've committed my life to my wife for 33 years. It's my job description every day of my life to grow in a greater understanding of my wife and her needs and her wants and her desires. That's my job. That's my responsibility. That is your responsibility is to grow in your understanding of your wife. Now, ladies you got the same responsibility. You need to grow in your understanding of your husband. You need to grow in your understanding of your father, of your co-workers, of your laborers. Now, who do you think has a more difficult job? Men trying to understand women or women trying to understand men? That's right. Thank you, ladies. Some of you are honest. I mean, guys really are pretty easy to figure out, right? You know what he likes, you know what he needs, you know what he wants. You just got to give it to him. <laughs> Ladies, half the time, you don't even know what you like or want. <laughs> and we've got to figure that out. And if we don't give it to you, we pay. It's called the doghouse. And I really believe that's why God says, listen, guys, it's hard, but you need to treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Men, you need to understand that your wife wants to talk on a feeling level. And if that's her need, then you need to learn how to talk on a feeling level. But ladies, at the same time, you need to understand that that just doesn't come natural for most of us guys. It's just not the way we were wired. I mean, physiologically, it's proven. We just use half our brains half the time, you know. And, you know, and I do believe in evolution. God created Adam, you know, and then it, we evolved into Eve, and she's a higher, more complex species, you know, human being. She uses all her brain all the time. She's much more complex, you know. I don't really believe in evolution. I think you get my point there. But we need to learn to speak the language that our wife speaks, and we need to learn to speak the language that our husband speaks. We're different. Now, maybe... You're married to a super stud. I mean, he knows how to talk on a feeling level. He knows the importance of verbal attention. Every woman wants and needs verbal attention, not physical attention as much as verbal attention. But most of us guys, we just got to be taught that. It's just not the way we're wired. So why don't men talk? Largely, it's because they're men. Why? What stops men from talking? And I think it's very important for us to understand this. What stops men from talking? Number one on the list is tears. Those things freak us out. I mean, we'd rather have our wife pulling a gun on us than crying because, you know, she pulls a gun. You can dodge the bullets. You know, you can try to take the gun. But if she starts crying, we don't know how to make her stop. Right? Um, as my kids grew up, I, I, I love coaching my kids. I coached them in all the sports, soccer, baseball, basketball. And the, 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 uh, the sport I really enjoyed coaching the most was my daughter and her basketball team. And I enjoyed, it was ages 9 through 12, and it was just an incredible experience. The reason why is I, I discovered that little girls want to grow and to listen. Little boys think they know it all, and they don't know squat. 
you know. And so you're fighting all the time with the little boys trying to get them to learn how to play the game, whereas the girls will listen. And I'll never forget my first scrimmage in Palm Beach Gardens. I remember this day, I'm on the sideline, and uh, five girls, five-on-five scrimmage, first big scrimmage before the big game, you know, which, by the way, we won the championship, but we won't go there. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, here we're scrimmaging, and one of the girls on the other team said something to one of my other little girls, and then she shared it with her other little girls on our team. And before I know it, I had four girls out there, and they were all crying. And I remember thinking, Lord, now what? I mean, what do I do now? You know? And ladies, you need to understand this. I know your guys. I know a lot of your husbands. They're good guys. They've got good hearts. They don't like it when you cry. They feel bad. They don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to make you mad. And so what happens, they begin to hide their feelings. And you want them so badly. You want to know what's going on in that brain. If anything's going on, you want to know about it. And he begins to hide his feelings, hide his concern, hide the issues. And all of a sudden, you begin to develop what's called a dysfunctional relationship of being nice and pleasant on the outside and not being truthful and honest on the inside. He retreats. He runs to his man cave, you know, because of your tears. You see, we need to realize that conflict is a good thing. Conflict is a good thing in a relationship. It will bring you to deeper levels of intimacy and trust. If you're honest, if you're emotionally strong enough to work through and handle the truth, it will make your marriage better. Now, the reason why, if we're honest, guys, I'm sorry, but the reason why most of us men don't like tears or have a problem with tears is because we've got this fix-it mentality. She's crying, we think we need to fix it, and we don't know how to fix it. Worse than that, sometimes we think we need to fix her. And it doesn't work. One of the greatest aha experiences of my life is when I finally got it. And I realized Janet doesn't want me to fix her. She wants me to understand her. And that's what 1 Peter says here. He says, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with, what's the word? Understanding as you live together. And some women, they cry because they like crying, just like they like talking. Uh, they feel better when they cry. It's, it helps bring healing in their life when they cry. It allows the deep feelings to come out. But what stops men from talking? Tears. Number two is displeasure. Now, displeasure is usually rooted in anger. And anger shows its head in a lot of different ways. Could be the cold shoulder. Could be the silent treatment. But nothing is worse for a guy than that stare, that eye. That eye of displeasure that says, you're in trouble, buddy. You're going to be paying for it for the rest of your life. You know, you might as well just pack up and sleep on the couch. I mean, you, you just know you, you know, you don't know what you did, but you know you're going to die. And you know you're going to pay for it, you know. Now, it's important to realize that anger is a God-given emotion. And in and of itself, it's not bad. It's what we do with our anger that's so damaging. Matter of fact, look at this verse, Ephesians 4.26. What's the first two words of this verse? Be angry. God says, hey, man, be angry. Get angry. 
People don't realize that. The Bible says get angry. It's a God-given emotion. You should feel it. You should express it. Be angry. But then what does he say to do? Yeah, don't sin. How do you sin? Well, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't hold on to your anger. Don't store the anger. Don't make them pay for it for the rest of their life kind of anger. See, holding on to our anger turns to displeasure. And that's what's so destructive to a relationship. Anger often moves us to action, and that's a good thing. But holding on to our anger moves us to displeasure. And displeasure is rarely a good thing. It usually just leads to, you know, continental divide, relational divide. So you must learn to control your emotions. You must learn to deal with your anger in a way that's more constructive, in a way that is God-honoring. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4.31, Get rid of all, what's the word? Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Now, the Greek word here for bitterness is, is displeasuro. Kind of made that up, you know. Displeasuro, no, it's not. The, the Greek word is called pikaros, and it means to point, to pick. Get rid of that picking. Get rid of that pointing. Get rid of that nagging. Get rid of that displeasure. Get rid of all bitterness because it's so destructive. You see, what it does, it creates an unsafe environment in the relationship. And so your husband, rather than sharing and confiding and being honest, he retreats into his man cave and he stuffs. And you begin to create a toxic relationship. See, we need to create safety in our relationships. And guys, you need to understand, it's very important for your wife to talk. Talking for women leads them to intimacy. So guys, are you motivated? Guys, can I share with you why talking is so important to a woman? It's how God has uniquely created her to be. Studies have conclusively shown today that the average, I'm speaking in average, in generalities, the average woman speaks 25,000 words a day. The average man speaks 12,500 words a day. Men primarily talk more as a means to an end. They talk kind of with a purpose. Women talk as an end in itself. Men primarily talk more on a factual level. And when they run out of facts, they stop talking. Women speak more on an, a feeling level, and they never run out of feeling, so they never stop talking. <laughs> now, if, if, if I'm honest this morning, and I have a tendency sometimes to be too honest, but if I'm honest, I need to say this this morning, that some of you guys are just jerks. I don't know of a better word to describe you than... Uh, you're just a jerk. And some of you guys here this morning, you came this morning and you kind of got the attitude, you know, that I'm not the talkative type. That's just the way that I am. I'm not the talkative type. You know, I'm never going to change. You just got to accept me for the way I am. I'm just not the talkative type. Well, how would you respond if your wife said to that, well, I'm just not the sexual type? <laughs> you know? The reality is marriage is a need-meeting relationship. And the reason why you get married, because you're making a covenant vow before God to meet that partner's needs. We've got to choose to lovingly meet our spouse's needs, or someone else will today. They will. 
So men, we need to learn to talk on a feeling level. And it's amazing how men can talk when they're dating, isn't it? You know, they usually talk too much about themselves when they date. Um, you know, and how men can talk when they want something. So let's spend the rest of our time today talking about love talk. Not love talk, but love talk. Can you say that with me? Love talk. It's not spelled L-O-V-E. It's spelled L-U-V. L stands for listen. U stands for understand. And V stands for validate. Listen, understand, and validate. Say that with me. Listen, understand, and validate. Listen, understand, and validate. Let's talk about how to talk with the opposite sex. And these principles of communication, of love talk, as we see this in the Bible, it's regardless. It could be a father-daughter relationship. It could be a co-worker relationship. We all need to learn to love talk. All right? You with me? Matter of fact, I first heard this concept of love talk from a guy by the name of Dr. Gary Smalley. 13 years ago, my wife and I, we went to a pastor's marriage conference in uh, Branson, uh, Missouri. Had a great time. And uh, Gary Smalley is the author of some 16 best-selling books and just did an incredible job there. And these principles, as I said, they're for everybody. So let's, let's dive in. Better yet, let's, let's drive in, okay? How many of you have ever been to a, a McDonald's drive-thru? Can I see your hands? Some of you don't want to admit that in church. Okay. Uh, so let's make it more generic. I'm not seeing everybody's hand yet. So how many of you have been to a, a, a Burger King, Taco Bell? How about a, um, what do you call that coffee everyone loves? Starbucks drive-thru. How many have been through a drive-thru one time in your lifetime? Some of you still don't have your hand up. Okay, hit him or her. I think they're sleeping. Uh, hopefully, we've all been through a drive-thru. And as you go through a drive-thru, you get this eerie feeling that somebody's watching you. And they are. You're on video, you know, and you see that speaker, and all of a sudden you hear that voice that says, Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? And the attendant's job is to listen to your words and then repeat them back to you. That's what she's being paid to do, to listen to your words and then repeat it back to you. And that's the first step in love talk is to listen to their words. And I can't stress enough that this is the foundation of love talk. It's the art of really genuinely, sincerely listening. Listening not to speak, but listening because you love that person. Proverbs 29, 20 says this. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? Do you see a woman who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for a fool than there is for her. We need to learn to listen. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he said this. Everyone, every single one of us should be quick to, what's the word? Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We need to be quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You see, every human being needs to be heard, just as every human being needs to be fed. And I love Stephen Covey's statement. He tells us to seek first to understand and then be understood. Seek first to understand, to listen first, and then be understood to speak. In order for communication to take place, someone needs to speak and someone needs to listen. And it's a lot harder to listen than it is to speak. 
And we need to learn, both of us, to become better listeners. And listening is as important, if not more important, than speaking. Now, have you ever pulled up to a drive-thru and both of you are speaking at the same time? I mean, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Communication doesn't work. We've got to listen first and speak second. And I truly believe that is a life biblical principle that can radically change your life. James 1, James 1, 19 here. If we will strive in life to be the kind of person who is quick to listen and then to speak. So everyone should be quick to listen. Now, what are we listening for? <coughs> this is so important. All right, you're going to listen. What are you listening for? You're listening for feelings and needs. What are you listening for? Feelings and needs. You're listening for hurt feelings, which in generalities, that's usually the concern that the wife has, the woman has. And then you're looking for unmet needs. And again, in generalities, that's often with the man. Sometimes it changes up or whatever. But you're listening for something very important. What are we listening for? Feelings and needs. All right? So many couples are in an argument, and they've been having this argument for years. They just keep going round and around and around like they're on a merry-go-round, and nobody's married. It's because they're not getting to, the, no one's listening. No one's getting to the root of, of unmet needs and hurt feelings. And so many problems in marriage. We're talking about this, but that's not the issue. That's not the problem. We're talking about surface issue. The issue is much deeper someplace else. And we never discover it. It never gets resolved because nobody is listening for feelings and for needs. We need to listen for feelings and for needs. We need to be quick to listen. And rather than listening, let's be honest, and guys, we're really, at least I'm really guilty of this, what do we do rather than listening? You know what we do? We make judgments, we give our opinions, and we try to solve their problem. We're going to talk more about this next week as well. Now, what would you do if you pulled up to the drive-thru and you said, you know, I want a, a Big Mac, large fry, and large Coke. And the attendant says, you know, I'm looking at my monitor here, and you look a little overweight. That's a judgment, right? You know, what do you think of a, a fish fillet with a small fry? Or if the attendant was to say, you know, do you know how many grams of fat are in a Big Mac? That's an opinion, you know. What about a chicken sandwich and let's hold the mayonnaise, you know? Or if they try to solve what they perceive as your problem. They say, you know, Dr. Ray, I think you were here yesterday and the day before. It's, it's obvious to me that you have a food addiction problem. You know, you need to get into a food addiction support group. We have them here called McDonald's Anonymous, you know. <laughs> They're going to try to fix me. They're going to try to solve my problem, fix the problem. What would you do if the attendant did that? I know some of you. You're very assertive. You would, you know... You'd be asking for the manager. I'd be asking for Ronald McDonald, you know, before something bad happens, um, you know. But rarely, if ever, that happens. It doesn't happen. You know why? Because they've been trained to listen, to listen, and then repeat it back to us. They have spent actually millions of dollars researching the communication process so that you will stay married to them. They want you not to be frustrated. I mean, it's amazing. We're married, you know, we leave frustrated. We come back and we stay in the thing, you know. And, and, 
McDonald's, we'll leave. Starbucks, you know, if they don't treat us right, we leave. We go someplace else. They have learned how to listen so they know what we want. They know what we need. They meet our expectations, and then we stay married to them. And all, many of us, we communicate better with the attendant at McDonald's than we do with our own spouse um, because she's frustrated. He's frustrated, and they're not being heard. It's very frustrating to be misunderstood. Many wives today feel very misunderstood. And the reason why they're feeling misunderstood is because we're not listening for needs and for feelings. All right? So what are we listening for? Way to go, guys. These are some good guys in this church. All right? They got it. Let's see if something happens. Okay. Feelings and needs. All right? And, you know, and I, I found this in, um, in getting to know some people in our church who are highly successful salespeople. You know, the people that are, are best at what they do best in sales, they're never the ones that are, are, are the fast talkers or the good talkers. They're not the ones that are always trying to sell you. The great salesmen, saleswomen, are those who have discovered the art of listening. And they listen. They listen well. And they're able to create a successful solution to the customer's concern through carefully listening. That's why they do so well. They give you what you want. They give you what that you need. And then you buy their product rather than trying to tell you what you want and tell you what you need. That's an inexperienced salesperson. So what are we listening for? Feelings and needs, all right? How do we listen? Three things, real important. We need to listen with our ears. That's called active listening. We choose to listen. You see, hearing is passive. Hearing is a sensory experience that gathers sound waves indiscriminately. You're hearing all kinds of things right now, and hopefully you're choosing to listen to me. Some of you aren't. But uh, hopefully you're, you're choosing to listen. Listen is active it's something we choose to do. So we need to listen with our ears. We need to listen enough to care enough to be aware of the other person's feelings and needs. Matter of fact, that's, a, I think, a, the best definition on listening. Let me say that again. I encourage you to write this down. A listening is caring enough to be aware of their feelings and needs. That's what listening is. It's caring enough. If it's a customer, a spouse, whatever. It's caring enough to be aware of their feelings and needs. So we need to listen with our ears. Then we need to listen with our eyes. And that's called focus listening. We listen with our eyes by, by turning off the television set, by turning off the cell phone or getting off Facebook, and we focus on them. And by doing that, you're saying, your needs, your feelings are important to me. I value your words. I value what you have to say. And we focus on them. I love this passage in Mark 10, 21. Uh, Jesus is speaking to this non-believing uh, rich guy, this rich young ruler, you know. We used to call him when I was younger, yuppie. And, and he, and he uh, looks at this guy and he says this. He says, the Bible says this. Jesus, what's it say? He looked at him and he loved him. I mean, you could see love in Jesus' eyes because the way that Jesus chose to give this man his focused attention, he looked at him and he loved him. And if you love someone, you will stop what you're doing and you will look at them. 
We need to care enough to be aware of their feelings and needs. So we need to listen with our eyes. We need to listen with our ears. And then we need to listen with our heart. And that's called empathic listening. And we're going to talk a lot more about this next week as we talk about understanding uh, their needs and validating their feelings. But we all, in all of our relationships in life, we need to learn to listen with our hearts. Do you remember the story in John chapter 4? Jesus is on his way to Galilee, and he's going through Samaria. Now, you need to understand something. Samaria, uh, the Jews in those days, they didn't like the Samaritans, kind of like the Palestinians, and the Palestinians didn't like the Jews. Samaritans were like half-breeds, and they're coming through, and they stop. And Jesus stays here at this well, and his disciples go into the town to get some food. And Jesus is sitting there at this well, and apparently he has nothing in his hand to be able to get something to drink, and he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, this woman shows up, a Samaritan woman. So she is a a half-breed. She is a woman. And that culture in those days, you would not speak to a woman in public because a woman was beneath you in those days. And Jesus violated all those morals and those values. Jesus always valued and esteemed and honored women. And he starts talking to this woman when the disciples come. They're shocked that he's doing this. And he starts listening to this woman. And as this woman talks, she begins to ask questions about wells and worship. And Jesus just listens. It's beautiful in this passage. He's just listening, listening for her heart. And as she talks and as he listens, then he kind of cuts to the chase and he says, you know, if it's who you are and the way you live that counts before God, it doesn't matter if you worship in Samaria or Jerusalem. And then he kind of says, you know, the real issue is you've got bad relationships. You've been married five times. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And this woman responds by saying, yes, Lord, you are right. She called him Lord, curious, sovereign one. He listened to her. She felt heard. She felt understood. She felt validated. And then she responds to his words. Jesus listened with the intent to understanding. He cared enough to be aware of her thoughts and her feelings and her needs. Jesus was a master at listening. And that's why we're going to be following this series of Getting to Yes with the next series called Looking at Jesus Up Close and Personal. And we're going to learn from stories in his life. We'll dive into some of the Gospels because he was a master, master listener. And this morning, you need to know that he's listening to you. And he cares about you. And he cares about your needs. And he wants to help you to learn how to listen and how to communicate better. He's just waiting, just like that Samaritan woman. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to acknowledge your need. Can we do that right now? Can we just bow our heads? Can we just close our eyes? And can you humbly ask Christ to help you? Can you say, Jesus, help me to become a better listener? Help me to see the feeling and needs of the people in my life. 
God, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Can you join me this morning in praying and say, God, God, help me to listen with my ears. Active listening. God, help me, help me to listen with my eyes. Focus, attention, focus listening. And can you join me in praying? And I hope you come back next week. Can you pray right now and say, God, help me to learn to listen with my heart. Empathic listening. You know, this morning, some of you, you need to open up your life and you need to let Christ really come into your life. He could transform your relationships. You could learn so much from him. And maybe this morning, for the first time in your life, you need to say, Jesus Christ, I believe you love me. I don't understand it all. I believe that you died for me. And I invite you to come into my life right now and to change me. Some of you are here this morning and maybe you haven't even told your partner, this is kind of like your last ditch effort to save this marriage. Jesus wants to help save your relationship and save your marriage. But you've got to invite him in. You've got to put your faith and trust in him. And I just invite you right now to say, Christ, come into my life. Change me. Save me. Forgive me. God, I'm so grateful that you change us. I'm so grateful that we all are so stubborn and stupid in so many ways. God, help us to see ourselves. Help us to see our hard hearts. Help us to continue to grow in our understanding of our spouses. God, help us to be teachable. Help us to be humble. Help us to honor you and to esteem others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.